Hi, and welcome back to the show. Today, we have Aaron Fisher on the show. He is the Chief Customer Officer at Office Partners 360, or OP360 for short. This is really an outsourcing firm to watch. They have had hockey stick growth over the last 36 months. They've been around for a long time, though, and Aaron Fisher has uh, outsourcing royalty in his blood. He has been in the industry decades and has seen the industry uh, rise up from nothing, uh, and he's just recently transferred across from Taskus, which has seen uh, obviously incredible growth and positioning in the market. So really exciting times for OP360, and it is you know a great uh, outsourcing firm as Aaron can talk about in this session today. So really good conversation with Aaron, and a lot of the conversation was dipping into the origins of the industry and how it's changed. Uh, and of course, how OP360 can serve the clients of today. So as always, if you want any of the show notes, go to outsourcingaccelerator.com slash podcast. Enjoy. This podcast is brought to you by Outsource Accelerator. We are the world's leading outsourcing marketplace and advisory. We help big and small businesses with their outsourcing needs, and we can help you too. We cover everything from business and staffing strategy, optimal outsourcing structures, implementations, and fully managed services. If you're already outsourcing, about to start, or somewhere in between, then we can ensure that you get the best from outsourcing. That's the best prices, best terms, and of course, the best results from your outsourcing practices. We list over 700 outsourcing suppliers on our website, host this leading outsourcing podcast, and have over 5,000 pages of content. Because we span the entire market, we can ensure that you get the best deal possible. We offer everything from light brokerage, co-managed services, through to fully managed solutions. Get in touch today. Visit us at outsourceaccelerator.com slash quote. Mention that you're a podcast listener and we will give you special attention plus a 10% discount. This is for a limited time only. Go to outsourceaccelerator.com slash quote. Aaron Fisher, welcome to the show. First of all, I want to know what outsourcing is to you. What does outsourcing mean to you, Aaron? Hey, Derek. Thanks for having me. Um, Great question because it is a pretty broad uh, term, but really outsourcing to me is any sort of business function, whether it's customer facing or non-customer facing that really helps a company grow and scale their business. And so um, it could be multi-channel, it could be back office, it can be, like I said, out in front um, directly working with their customers or being behind the scenes and just helping the overall um, back office solution and design of a company's ability to continue to grow and scale. And you, Aaron, you're another industry veteran. I've been speaking to a lot of industry veterans uh, lately and you've spent, you know, from what it looks like your entire career within the, the bigger end of the outsourcing industry, you know, kind of referred to as the call centers and very sort of um, process driven uh, very specific process driven um, you know tell us a little bit about your journey and and you know what what are some of the sort of key learnings that you've had from the industry 
No, I appreciate that. And you're right. It was basically, it has been my entire career trajectory has been in the uh, outsource business process outsourcing. But, um, you know, I'd be reluctant to say that uh, I came from outsourcing royalty. So my kind of uncle, um, basically my second cousin, uh, was Jim Lynch. And he is the founder of Cytel Corporation out of Omaha, Nebraska in 1985. And so... Mm-hmm. Jim Lynch uh, actually brought on my dad, Ford Fisher, as a uh, partner in the business. And those two were kind of early pioneers of, you know, high growth, large volume, multinational uh, call center company based out of Omaha, Nebraska. And I was there a little bit before they went public in uh, 1995. So it was neat to be part of an organization that was small, private, growing, and actually uh, became a public entity and, uh, had a really great 10 years of uh, my career there. And it's really where I learned all the different facets of, of an outsource company. You know, started in on the phones, making outbound calls to small businesses to add additional telephone lines and various uh, telephony products on behalf of all the Rbox, And then kind of moved into account management and client services. And then from there in new project implementation, uh, true direct operations and leading, you know, full-scale, large uh, uh, clients in the operation side. And then um, at the end, really spent a lot of time with Tata Infotech, which at the time was a joint venture with Cytel and one of the first relationships to put U.S.-based uh, telephone calls in India. And so spent a lot of time in Mumbai, but great 10 years, really learned the business. And then from there, was able to to pivot and take that, uh, uh, that overall, you know, experience with the different departments and really moved into Sykes corporation, which was basically a, a smaller, but, uh, publicly traded company in 2004 and, and spent 13 years there and spent most of that time in client services and in new logo sales. But uh, it was, it was great to Started Cytel pre-IPO, left them at a little bit over one and a half billion in revenue. Came to Sykes, they were about two hundred million in revenue, and uh, was able to to leave them at about one point three billion. And then uh, took an opportunity with a small but uh, rising star called Tascus about four years ago, and uh, they were about eighty million in revenue when I joined them in early twenty seventeen, and through. Uh, new logo sales and new logo sales team leadership. You know, I left them in March of this year, and I think they're on target for approximately 710, 715 million in uh, revenue. I just went IPO uh, earlier this summer. So, you know, three great companies, and uh, and now I've taken you know almost 27 years of experience and, and putting it to work for a, a great you know small but emerging and, and high growth company with Office Partners 360. Wow, that really is an incredible journey, and I didn't quite realize you, you actually are a, like outsourcing royalty or a business process prince. That's, <laughs> that's incredible. Did Cytel begin as an offshore outsourcing, or was it you know just a, a no. sort of decentralized call center for, for domestic use? Yeah, it started actually as a small 10-person company called HQ 800. And it was a small company where dentists and doctor's offices would roll their telephones after hours and have live agents answer on behalf of those offices. Uh, And Jim Lynch bought HQ 800 in 1985. And then from there, it started 
obviously, you know, in the eighties, it was all outbound, all outbound based sales for telcos and insurance companies and other big legacy verticals. And then through time, obviously it, it kind of transitioned into inbound customer care, but it was truly uh, U.S. domestic outbound pivot to inbound combination. And then one of the first pioneers uh, to one um, basically become global with acquisitions through Europe. And then probably one of the first, if not, um, it's got to be close to the first outsourcer in India, in Mumbai at the time. So this would have been uh, mid 1999. And once all the telco rates and all the telephony was stable and low cost, it opened up that incredible uh, talent pool and, and was able to start putting you know, US-based clients in, uh, in India. Mm, because so much of the default assumed value proposition of outsourcing is is the sort of the, the globalized uh, you know salary arbitrage and, and kind of accessing cheaper global resources but it really you know the industry um, was born from basically sector specialization and being really good at doing one or two tasks wasn't it um, Absolutely. You know, and, and it's interesting to see that and there's still onshore call centers that are really just focusing and just getting very good at specific processes. Yep, you're exactly right. And with Cytel, you know, I'm just I'm interested to kind of observe the the origins of the industry. The industry only began on telephones because that's all there was back then. But now the industry has gone multi-channel and also multifunctional. You know, it does does everything. It's not just outbound calls. What was that journey like? You would have seen the sort of the the sort of head of that wave, absolutely. As you had to sort of embrace so many different channels, but also so many different functions. Yeah, you're correct. I mean, it definitely started all you know outbound uh, automated dialer calling uh, individuals and trying to maximize uh, you know uh, right party connects on an outbound basis, and then everything was based on you know sales per hour or, or those types of metrics, and then you know as those clients started to feel a little bit more comfortable to outsource their customer service because they were very comfortable outsourcing their sales on the revenue management side, but on the kind of cost inbound customer services, they were starting to be more um, willing to outsource that. You know, then it became inbound telephone customer care. You know, those are really one channel, either inbound or outbound. Um, probably the second channel that came on board, you know, in the mid and early nineties was really kind of inbound email support. That was uh, uh, kind of the second channel that became you know, pretty prominent and, and really, um, you know, at the time systems were completely segregated. There was no omni-channel systems. There were no, you know, uh, these companies today that can basically seamlessly allow an interaction to go between multi-channels. So you had dedicated operations for people that were just on the phones or just in email um, and it, you know, it took a decade and a half for that to be almost where you could have a, a universal agent to be able to toggle between a system to be able to, to handle multi-channel. Um, you know, I didn't see chat really come, you know, into the queue into really the whole dot-com boom and bust in uh, in late '90s, early 2000s, because that was a new kind of unique technology, but it wasn't really. Uh, utilized for customer care or tech support at the time. It was more of just a communication between uh, individuals or our companies and, and their customers. But um, yeah, it's been a, a pretty unique uh, journey from the beginning of making you know manual outbound telephone calls to automated dialer to inbound customer care to full you know omni channel today. 
Yeah, and also give us insight into going overseas, you know, the pioneering international teams when, you know, telephony, communications, and even infrastructure was so kind of unwieldy and difficult to manage. What was it like to kind of be a pioneer in building an international organization and kind of having people in a different country take phone calls and work for a, for a different country and company completely? Was that, was that just a completely freaky concept back then? Yeah, it was. And it, it was as much as foreign to the employees of the U.S.-based call center companies as it was to the customers who then now you know heard a different dialect and different accents as it was to actually, you know, operating and doing business in these, you know, near shore and offshore countries. But, you know, at the beginning, it was basically, you know, a little bit of the concern of are we ourselves putting, you know, U.S. jobs uh, overseas? And so there was a little bit of social consciousness there in the early, um, you know, I said late 1990s, early 2000s. And then it was coupled with a little bit like from a sales perspective, if, if I'm used to getting, you know, I'll just make it up, you know, $30 an hour for selling uh, these services in the U.S. And now I'm selling it for $15 an hour in an offshore location and I get paid on revenue. You know, what does that mean for myself, my livelihood, my kind of sales uh, industry and, and my place in this business? So it was, it was really kind of unique internally. And then obviously there was a little bit of a, uh, a surprise and learning curve of the customer base, you know, hearing, you know, a different accent or a different uh, dialect and then having, you know, the whole kind of consumer U S consumer uh, organizations realize that, Hey, this is happening. Um, hopefully, you know, problems are solved and, and issues are, are, are worked through, but uh, this is kind of an evolution in, in customer care. And then last but not least, you know, we had to really, go into a country like India, which was pretty aligned, you know, obviously to uh, the UK, but really help, you know, our teams understand, you know, the U.S. clients, the U.S. culture, um, and all the things that are kind of soft skills associated with delivering a, a good interaction. You know, we had to literally start with a blank whiteboard and, and say, you know, this is who we are, who our clients are, expectations, and, and so forth to try to just kind of emulate, you know, a typical U.S. interaction. Mm-hmm. And I think people take for granted, they just assume that sort of globalization is staying at the same level, whereas, you know, 20, 30 years ago, the world, the countries were a lot less connected, weren't they? You know, like today everything's homogenized with YouTube, Netflix, same popular culture, you know, whereas back then it was segregated, wasn't it? Absolutely. I mean, you know, it, it was interesting. Some of the pre-client specific training that was invested in these teams was, you know, sitting down and together reading the USA Today and going through and actually watching VHS tapes. And I'm dating myself of, of popular television shows in the U.S. So, um, you know, we've come a long way to where now it's almost one market, one globalization, uh, pretty easy integration. But back in the day, it was literally starting from scratch. So let's fast forward a few years and, you know, a few like incredible kind of career steps for you. But uh, there was Task Us. We'll just sort of briefly talk on that. But, you know, Task Us, I think, is doing um, 
is highlighting the outsourcing industry. Actually, you know, as you have sort of identified here, the industry has been going strong for 30 years, but it seems that Task Us kind of um, gripped onto a modern new narrative, but actually they're just doing the same thing. Um, you know, how, how, how was your time at Task Us? And obviously, you know, what I'm referring to is they just recently IPO'd uh, a few years ago. They were invested by Blackstone, one of the biggest PE firms in the world. So really exciting things for the industry. And as an industry proponent, I want to see more of that. I want to see more interest from Silicon Valley in the industry. Um, but what was it like, you know, from your perspective? Yeah, Derek. Now that's great. You know, I started, like I said, with uh, with Cytel Corporation and then Sykes Enterprises. You know, and both kind of about a billion, billion and a half in revenue, but both targeting the same Fortune 50 massive U.S.-based clients. Um, and so it became more of a, uh, a rat race to highest volume, lowest cost, and try to eke out you know gross margin and, and certain EBITDA goals and so it was it was an interesting time to where um everybody started to chase teleperformance because of all of the acquisitions they made they were you know multi-billion and had you know 10 percent operating income and so the the Cytel, the sykes the uh, converges of the worlds were trying to, to emulate that and Taskus came along and said you know what two things one is you know outsourcing can be cool uh, and two is if we focus, you know, if they were able to focus my you know, really, um, maniacally on their frontline teammates and really target a underserved and emerging class of, of companies, uh, in California, you know, there is room for a small upstart to, to make it work. And so, you know, I think a rising tide lifts all boats task us, you know, really showed the incumbent big box BPOs as well as kind of the. I would say uh, BPO 2.0 companies that are out there that, you know, you can have a brand, you can have, um, you know, smaller clients that potentially can scale and grow that you can spend most of your time on your frontline agents. And therefore, you know, your business prop and your, your, uh, you know, ability to explain uh, to your customers what you're doing, where you're doing it, you know, works out. And so it's exactly, you know, why I came over to, Office Partner 360 is because you know, TAS has kind of started that, I would say, about 12 years ago and made it more mainstream. And, you know, there's, there's definitely room for like an Office Partner 360 to, to continue to serve those well-funded, fast-growing uh, companies that need a lot of flexibility and need a lot of uh, help just, you know, building the CX strategy and, and actually delivering on it. So it was a, it was a great four years and, uh, you know, one of the things that attracted me originally to them is at the end of the day, you know, the clients that I'm selling and servicing, but I go, would I want to go work for them? them. And I found myself at Cytel and Sykes, not necessarily as excited to go work for those clients, but then you look at a client list um, like Taskus had and has today, as well as what, you know, OP360 has. And I could see myself actually going to work for those individual clients. And so I think that's pretty telling. Sure, sure. And, you know, as you say, a rising tide lifts all boats. And I, I think with the normalization of this stuff and increased globalization and specialization of tasks, I think it's it's just a booming industry, isn't it? You know, and the realization that there are, you know, the OP360s out there and um, there's so much uh, kind of executive 
knowledge and understanding and and sophistication in these process buildings so it's much better to sort of rely on partners like op360 it's uh, absolutely i mean at the end of the day most of our clients are really good they're either really good marketing companies they're really good fintechs or banks where they've built an amazing app that is user-friendly and has an amazing interface but it you know they they're not a customer care or tech support organization and so they start building that internally and they they need that to kind of understand and get immediate feedback on their on their solution or their product or their go-to-market strategy but you know as as quick as they can decide to kind of get out of their own way and and allow a company like you know office partners 360 to really do nothing but focus on their process their product the feedback and the customer interactions it just really allows you know that client to to put the resources, money, and invest in the growth of the company, and it, it, it's it's amazing. There's kind of that pivot point where that you can tell that they've they've outgrown their their internal call center, and they realize they need to kind of hand it over and, and let you know let somebody else drive. And once that happens, then they experience explosive growth, and then us as partners, obviously, uh, reap, you know the positive benefits of that partnership. And it, it, it's really exciting times for Office Partners 360. Then I've I've seen these guys, you know, in the market for a number of years. We've been in you know contact for a number of years. They're doing incredible things in the market. And now with you coming on board, you're obviously no outsourcing slouch. Um, you know, it, there's really exciting times ahead for OP360. Where would you? How would you place OP360 in the market? Um, you know, what are their strengths and what is outsourcing to them? Yeah, absolutely. Great question. I mean, the company has been around for a little bit of time, about 16 years, but really in the last 36 months, you know, pretty incredible hockey stick uh, growth. And that's where I, you know, I think they were able to reach out to me and ask if I'd like to be part of the partnership team and, and really kind of put together the overall sales and sales operations and marketing structure to, to scale a business. But you know, before I, you know, decided to leave Taskus and come to Office Partners 360, I really wanted to understand, you know, what what were we all about? What's our value prop? And, and really, what's our culture? And and what attracted me to OP360 was a conscious design of the company to keep the U.S. headcount fairly small, um, tiny, and compared to most outsourced BPO companies. And the reason we did that is is taking those positions the possible promotions within those different positions and departments the actual salary and benefits and really the intelligence of the individuals that could actually fill those positions and and we put those in the countries where we deliver the services directly to the clients and their customers and so instead of having you know a, a large u.s you know, quote unquote, bloated overhead, trying to direct incredibly smart, intelligent and driven individuals, leaders and operations in, in nearshore and, and offshore countries. We've put that directly in, in those countries and directly in the centers that we operate. And, and that was different and that was unique. And that was really exciting to me because it allows us to take that, those, those hard dollars. And when we invest those, you know, in these countries, we're able to pay 25, 35% above market for every position from a leadership position, from a trainer to a quality, to a frontline agent. And therefore we're able to one attract incredibly 
smart and really good people. And then two, obviously retention is high and attrition is low. But what was really unique is because we're doing that is these individuals are able to take care of their families and their extended families better than my competitors. And it allows, you know, younger people in their family to stay in school and not have to go out and get, you know, a job that works overnight and try to jam school in during the daytime. So it's really kind of this social responsibility that, that Office Partners 360 is putting into its own global workforce. And I thought that just was a unique approach and a, a unique position and something that I think resonates with, with all my clients. Yeah, that's, that's brilliant, isn't it? I mean, you know, I see a lot of management structures in the Philippines, of course, but it, it, it does seem crazy that, you know, these bigger firms don't have all of the upper senior management within the countries that they're operating from. It, it, it's almost as if, you know, you've got to believe in your own product. And, Absolutely. you know, there's a sort of common misconception that, you know, these developing countries, they're good for call centers, but not much else. But there's incredible, highly qualified talent, highly capable talent, um, you know, Ivy League graduates, uh, you know, and some of the best companies in the world are also based from the Philippines. And so it's it's incredible, you know, there's an incredible sort of uh, a scope of highly skilled talent. And just to harness that in the countries where they're operating from, it, it's so sensible, isn't it? Absolutely. Like I said, it, you know, I have been lucky enough through my career to spend, you know, weeks and months in India and all through LATAMs and through the Philippines. And, and quite frankly, the intelligence, the brilliance, the drive, the quick relationship making of, of skill set and individuals at all various levels within an outsource company, whether it's incredibly complicated, you know, IT to very sensitive HR to, you know, some of the best and brightest and most charismatic trainers in the world, you know, they, it's there. And so, you know, why replicate that in the U S and then try to have those individuals tell, you know, people in, in near shore and offshore countries kind of what to do and how to do it. They've got it, and they and they do it in spades, and it's and it's a beautiful kind of value proposition. And and because I have, you know, uh, lower overhead in the U.S., part of that savings too is passed on to my clients. And you know, I'm able to actually price uh, in these countries that we operate in below market, but still have best in class leadership and best in class frontline agents some of the lowest attrition in the business. And therefore it's going to equate to, you know, higher CSAT and, and higher productivity, but I'm not keeping those cost savings to myself. I'm actually one paying my individuals in those countries and two giving the, the price breaks to the clients. And so it's a really um, new, unique, a differentiator. And, and it was really the impetus that said, you know what, I'm willing to leave my previous uh, gig and, and come over here and, and really help. Um, my partner group really kind of grow this company and, and grow the jobs. You know, at the end of the day, there's nothing more fulfilling with adding a new client that all of a sudden is adding a hundred new people, you know, in Colombia. And I smile because it's created a hundred brand new jobs there. It's created, you know, seven or eight to 10 team leads. You know, there's going to potentially be a new hire for trainers. It's, it's really like building people up versus, you know, trying to worry about just the, uh, reduce costs and move it from the U.S. to a to an offshore location. And what is the the focus of OP360? Are they after the Fortune 500s? And what are their core uh, skills yeah. or services? Absolutely. So 
we are we're kind of opportunistic. You know, we are definitely targeting emerging brands that are generally well-funded, uh, Series A, Series B. You know, in our experience, a company that's established and all of a sudden raises, you know, over fifty million in the Series A or Series B has has figured out their value prop as a client, their product or their service, and they're utilizing those funds to really scale the company and their operations and organizations. And so we're we're definitely targeting uh, those types of companies, and you know, through the the various verticals of e-commerce and retail and social media, gaming, uh, travel, transportation, and hospitality. So that's a real focus of ours. And those clients need speed of implementation. They need uh, the ability to be incredibly flexible because their product service and their quite frankly go-to-market strategy changes daily. And so they need their partner customer care operations to be uh, as flexible and be able to pivot quickly. Um, and, and they also need, you know, companies such as ourselves to just help them design, build, and then truly implement their, their CX strategy. Cause like I said, they're not CX strategists by trade, you know, uh, and so they rely on us. And so that's, that's kind of our current group, but we're also opportunistic because the big fortune 100, I would say, you know, have gotten caught, whether it's in the, the banking with the challenger banks or, you know, um, you know, big hotel groups with the Airbnbs of the world. And so we do see some very tangible opportunities with some of these big companies that are redesigning their CX strategy or redesigning their go-to-market strategy and the old traditional BPOs that were servicing them, they're just going to continue to get more of the same. And so they're, they're looking at smaller, you know, companies like myself, that's growing to actually, uh, uh, to be a part of that new journey. So that's kind of on the client or prospect side, you know, on the service side, we really look at our, our service offerings as three tier, three different buckets, you know, inbound, outbound customer care, tech support. Obviously it's still a massive, um, you know, opportunity there and really what's traditionally been outsourced. So, you know, very high levels of strength in that. But second is, is really what we call content moderation. Um, and it's the, like you have probably been very aware, you know, every social media app, every uh, online posting, every, um, you know, any time an opportunity that, that a customer consumer or somebody can, can push something to an app, to a website or to a, to a marketplace, all of that content needs to be monitored, controlled, evaluated, and making sure that it's meeting, you know, the requirements of, of the individual companies. And so, um, you know, really a lot of experience and, and desire to continue to scale that part of our delivery solution. And then last is really this, you know, AI automation and every autonomous driving company, every new robotic company that's, that has robots going up and down you know, um, aisles of grocery stores after hours trying to take inventory and, you know, something, you know, it takes a lot of human data tagging and data annotation to actually make those systems smarter. And so um, we continue to see a lot of growth in that particular, um, you know, category or vertical. So like I said, customer care, content moderation, AI operations um, are, is really our sweet spot across, like I said, most emerging brands, ones that become um, you know, highly funded and, and want to scale their growth. And then all these big traditional companies that are now trying to uh, you know, re, re, redo what they have previously done because they're getting beat to market. 
You can see how people like bigger companies are, are turning more towards CX specialists now because it is just kind of climbing in complexity, isn't it? Having to manage every platform and also realizing that it's not just now a reactive function. It's not just picking up the phone and solving an issue, but um, it's closely connected to the branding and the marketing and you know the the kind of social media footprint of the company. It's it's an enormously complex and and also a, a really important thing for businesses to get right. Yeah, I mean the the voice of the customer now is everywhere. You know, before you know a, a disgruntled customer didn't have a channel or a, an ability to to voice you know the challenges that they were having with a particular um, company, but today you know every voice is heard, and so. You know, uh, amazing transition over the last few years of companies as well as the overall kind of U.S. market and, and global market realizing that, you know, customer care or CX doesn't always just have to be a cost center uh, in the back of a warehouse somewhere in the U.S. because it's just a must-have. It's it's a truly can be, one, a differentiator, and, and two, once you continue to start to put, you know, smart ROIs around customer retention versus customer acquisition and, and the, the, the potential cost of, of negative reviews versus positive reviews and actually brought what we did out to the front and part of these companies and part of their go-to-market and, and, and really it became a true partnership versus before it was just an outsourced vendor, you know, relationship. Hmm. And, you know, what you were saying before about staffing being a, uh, you know, such an integral part of these emerging economies. And um, can you speak to like how many countries you're in now and how many, you know, staffing you have across the globe? And it is an incredible impact, positive impact that you're having globally now, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And, it, and it's great to see because, like I said, you, you, you visit these countries and, and cities and communities and households, and it's really neat to see, you know, the growth and development and, and what you know, we're able to provide on behalf of our, our generous clients. Um, but, you know, Office Partners 360 started in the Philippines, uh, predominantly in Cebu, and, and really have about, oh, 2,250 frontline teammates and associated staff um, in Cebu, obviously post-COVID. A majority of that is uh, work from home, and because of uh, work from home. We have uh, uh, our teammates are you know all over uh, the Philippines, but we also have a sizable uh, team in Coimbatore, India, with uh, 750 of our, our frontline agents there, and we're really excited. We have just this month uh, we're launching Barranquilla, Colombia. Uh, we've got our country leader, and he is building his support staff, and we've got several existing clients that currently trust us in either India or the Philippines, want to put a portion of their business in Colombia to tap into that amazing skill set. And so, you know, our ability to do, you know, nearshore English, Spanish, and uh, Barranquilla, coupled with uh, really incredible, you know, technology-driven individuals within India, and then, you know, kind of the traditional uh, high-level CSAT customer care uh, support of the Philippines kind of allows us to really serve you know, our, our prospects and our clients, you know, where they want to be and, and what kind of skill set they want to tap into. And again, I think that speaks to the incredible sophistication of OP360 in that, you know, you are a one-stop shop and clients, according to their needs, you know, can pick and choose from some of the biggest outsourcing powerhouses like India and the Philippines 
and nearshoring. And you know, if if they have sort of Hispanic requirements, then they can they can go nearshoring. Uh, if they have sort of technical requirements, maybe India's there. It's incredible, isn't it? That it's all a one stop shop for the client, but you are sort of leveraging um, all of the the world's best assets, really. Exactly. You know, that's where it starts. You sit down with your your prospect who hopefully becomes a client, and you ask what what business problems are you trying to solve. And once you get that established, then it's it's exciting and and highly motivating to be able to provide a solution to those business problems by like you said tapping into incredible intelligent bright people you know whether it's near shore offshore or wherever it may be but it's uh, it, it, it's it's great to actually see the job creation on our side but the actual problem solving and solution you know solving on on our, our client side so this Customer service, it really is a true partnership, you know, and I, I hope gone are the days where call centers are seen as vendors and they're just performing a, a sort of very uh, binary task. This is very much a partnership because as well, customer service is really the forefront of representing the brand. Uh, and then you have all of the, the back-end sophistication and, you know, decades of, of knowledge. How, how, how does all that interplay? Are you running the business this part of the business for the client or are they you know you're it is a true partnership and also how does that work in terms of pricing and costing sure i mean really our litmus test here is you know does does my potential new client so does that prospect how do they feel and treat their customers and if they feel about their customers and treat them less than how and, and want me to treat my frontline agents less because it's just a cost play it's just a necessary evil we won't do business with those types of clients and, and companies and so you know my first kind of go to market is you know if they're you know extremely focused on their customer and the interaction and and they believe that you know a, a call center or a contact center is a growth uh, operations and not a cost center, then those are the types of customers that are going to be in clients that are going to be great partners. And, and those are the types of ones that we want to employ because at the end of the day, you know, being on the end of the telephone or a chat or an email session or trying to work a, a, a complicated back office uh, process, you know, it's not easy work. And if, if, if my client treats their customers with high regard and allows me to treat my frontline agents, you know, with high regard. And that's a, a really uh, neat in a way to, to grow and scale and go to market. Um, you know, it, it, it also allows, you know, if, if a company trusts me and invest with the right proper pricing, not high pricing, but just the proper pricing to solve their business issues. And they trust me that the financials are where they need to be. Then that allows me to then, solve that problem with being able to, to source and pay uh, the expertise that's needed. It, it's, it's really, you get what you pay for. And if the old adage, you know, garbage in, garbage out, you know, on the negative side, or if a client wants to lean in and invest and, and pay uh, what is needed to actually solve their business problems through a partnership with us, it, it actually works. It's really, it's a really neat thing to see. Thank you. know, I don't want to date you, but about 30 years ago um, <laughs> when Cytel began, um, you know, what was the conversation like then telling people about 
you can outsource this function and then also telling people about, you know, we're going global with this function compared to the understanding, acceptance and adoption of it now. How is that understanding and embracing of, of basically globalized employment changed over those those years? Yeah. You know, it started, like I said, it was, it was really kind of a, a small niche on what clients were willing to outsource. And it was kind of that outbound sales because at the end of the day, it was revenue generating versus cost generation. And if you kind of mess up the sales, you weren't really necessarily hurting your brand versus an inbound customer care. So, you know, over time, once they started building external relationships with really good uh, legacy BPO companies, that just continued to help the overall industry grow and scale. Um, you know, and then that kind of that leap is, oh, by the way, you know, we've got a, a five to seven year relationship together. We now have the opportunity because of technology and low cost of, um, you know, labor arbitrage with high level of, of skill set. We're able to actually do the exact same work function and we're able to do it outside of the U.S. And so that took some time and due diligence and legalese in regards to data and, and, and where things reside and who owns what. But uh, you know, over 30 years, it, it has become almost now you forget that it was just almost U.S. based. It's now, yep, it's globalization. It's, you know, where do you want to tap into the right resources? What is kind of your, your budget based upon the problem that you're trying to, to solution? And now with the technology as well as the overall industries that are that are maturing and delivering in all these countries, it's really kind of plug and play. It's like I said, sit down, what are you trying to solve? What's your budget? What's important to you? And, and then uh, as a partner that has the ability to do, you know, onshore, nearshore and offshore, I can, I can get that uh, solution to their problem, you know, almost seamlessly. I think the days have gone of, you know, U.S. centric or onshore, you know, I've definitely gone. There are certain things that are still, you know, kept onshore and predominantly just because you use almost onshore for almost a test lab and it's very quick and easy to, to be on site, you know, pre COVID or post COVID, but, um, scale and, uh, you know, just overall ROI is really, really driven, you know, the partnerships near shore and offshore. I think it's so powerful that, you know, before you had to build awareness that this could even happen, then you had to educate, then you had to build trust, you know, like there was going to be a lot of mistrust. And now it's kind of just default, you know, like any big company would be saying, where's our offshore team located and who's yep. with, uh, that's an incredible sort of movement for the entire industry and, and the capabilities of the industry generally, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Like I said, I mean, outsourcing BPO partnerships, all that is just now, normal language and nomenclature within all these companies. Mm. And so what is the future then embracing all of that? And where do you see the future going? And, and most critically for OP360, you know, as we continue this trajectory of globalization and increasing sophistication of, of services? Oh, that's great. I mean, definitely, like I said, kind of the three pillars of, of delivery. I mean, customer care, customer support is going to always be uh, a large opportunity to continue to take care of, of consumers globally. And so, you know, it's always trying to utilize intelligent individuals, trying to get some of the best training and, and information to them, empowering them with the right system and tools and empowering them to be able to make, you know, independent decisions on behalf of the client's customers is what we want to continue to see. And, 
as we continue to automate and self-help and, and really um, try to remove very simple contact center tasks from a live agent, that's great. But, you know, that doesn't, that doesn't hurt our industry or our business because it's generally the, the solution of choice from a customer. They just want to get something simplified, done, and done easy. And it allows more complicated work types and, and customer interactions to be had with a live agent. And, and those are the types of interactions that, that our frontline agents love. And that's where they are excelling and dig into. And so you kind of move yourself up the, uh, the complication food chain and, and the value to the customer, the value to our agent, and the value to our client just continues to accelerate. So that will always continue, and that's going to be a, a really uh, push from an from a evolution and from a, a future standpoint. You know, content moderation, I don't know how we're eventually going to get most of that automated, but just you know, if you just Google how many, you know, how many YouTube videos are posted a day or how many posts are posted on Facebook or you know, match.com. I mean, all of the content because everybody now is a, a publisher and a creator and can put something out, you know, there's going to be continuation of scale and growth to help these, you know, media and entertainment and, and companies make sure that they protect their domain and protect their reputation. So, um, you know, that's going to continue. And then lastly, like I said, the AI automation, you know, yes, the, the Terminator computers are eventually going to get so smart. They're going to teach themselves, but you know, it takes, a certain skill set and a discipline uh, globally to really make sure that all of the, you know, autonomous vehicles and robots and, and systems that are going to continue to make, you know, overall our lives better and, 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 and more incredible, you know, it takes that, that skill set to, to tag that data and to make sure that, you know, all of the good information goes in. So therefore, you know, good things happen uh, on the backside. So hopefully that kind of answers that, Derek. Yeah, absolutely, Aaron. And, and, you know, I'll probably close out on this. Normally, we, we talk to a lot of SMB kind of outsourcing with smaller teams. And, I, I, you know, I ask them often, how do you get your clients started and how do you get them comfortable? And just kind of started with that process because for SMBs, it's really just getting your foot in the door, getting one to two seats and getting them comfortable. Can you give us some insight into the bigger end of the market? How do you entice a client in because i assume it's kind of tender documents it's sort of hugely complex agreements what is it sure. from your side that you can kind of entice a client in and get them comfortable with the service no, that's great and, and i think i talked a little bit about it earlier it's really one you got to build you know obviously a relationship and a little bit of trust but that's hard but you know you've got to do it um because there are you know these individuals for an emerging high growth company you know maybe making a decision that could either promote them through the organization career or get them fired. And so, you know, relationships are key, but like I said, is taking the time to understand what business problem they're trying to solve because traditionally the outsourced BPOs kind of came to these clients just saying, here's our solution. Do you have a need? And, and we're a price a little bit lower or we're located in a different area, or we think we've got a little bit of vertical expertise in this vertical industry. And, and that's the wrong way, you know, from a, a BPO organization to try to force it to a client need. You know, what we do here at OP360 is take the time. And, it, and they may have, my prospect may have a business problem or challenge that I don't have the solution for. And I'll try to help them externally outside of my company solve that. But it's taking the time to gain the trust and understand what they're trying to solve for. And then really being able to share with them 
the solution and the journey. And we can start small to where they're not feeling like they're, they're either breaking their, their funding bank or, or, or damaging their P&L to try to start to outsource, you know, like various uh, portions of their business. And, and through, you know, doing that methodically and doing it with care, you know, ultimately the, the quality and the productivity and the outcome is going to be where they wanted it to be or where they perceived it could be or better. And then from there, um, you know, through that trust and time, you really become an extension of their operations. And, and quite frankly, several of our clients uh, would say this if we asked them today that without us, they wouldn't be who they are. Or they wouldn't be as successful as they are because we've really become a, a complete part of their, their operations and their, and their go-to-market strategy. Mm. It's a true partnership, and it's a powerful partnership, isn't it? It's really, really powerful to, to partner with a yeah. offshore team. Absolutely. So, Aaron, thank you so much and great insights there. If anyone wants to, of course, learn more about Office Partner 360 or, or get in contact with you, how can they do that? No, it's been great. Again, um, you know, Aaron Fisher at Office Partner 360, you can reach out to me. My email is pretty easy. It's Aaron at op360.com. Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn. Uh, I'd love to, to talk with anybody. Uh, again, as I said, rising tide lifts all boats. Um, please reach out and uh, I look forward to, to meeting each and all of you. Fantastic. Thank you so much. That was Aaron Fisher of OP360. As always, if you want any of the show notes, go to outsourceaccelerator.com slash podcast. And if you want to ask us anything, then just drop us an email to ask at outsourceaccelerator.com. See you next time.